0: So we're here continuing our series on 1 John, and we're going to be looking at chapter 2 today. And just before we get started, I, I just wanted to ask you a few questions. All right, so on a regular basis, what do you look forward to? What are those things that, uh, you know, you're like, oh, you know, I just, I just love that. Maybe it's uh, curling up by the fireplace with a warm blanket, a, a cup of tea, a new book, Uh, There are some of you here like, yes, that sounds amazing, and others of you that are like, no, I just want to watch the latest episode of This Is Us, right? So, I mean, what is it that you like doing on a regular basis that you look forward to? Uh, Maybe for some of you, it's deer hunting season, and others, it's hockey season, uh, or maybe it's a Saturday afternoon college football game or Thanksgiving dinner with the family. Here's another question. Here's another way to put it. Uh, if, like, what sort of good news, you know, gift, or occasion would come up so that you would actually drop everything at a moment's notice and, and do that thing? So I asked that on Facebook this last week, and, and one response was, uh, rightly so, going into labor. And I was like, well, you bet. if you don't drop everything, <laughs> you've got a different issue there. Uh, another, another person said, an alpaca farm. Like, if someone gave them an alpaca farm, and I was like, what in the, what, what is, what is even an alpaca, right? <laughs> and why would you want a farm of them? It's not like you can eat them, right? I mean, you don't, yeah, you don't, okay, you don't eat alpacas. So anyway, so I asked, and, and the lady on Facebook, she was like, oh, they're great because they're loyal like dogs, uh, but you can, uh, you can knit with their, with their fur, <laughs> So I'm like, okay, that's I've never thought about it like that. Uh, the one person, and I agree with uh, I agree with them. She said, "Well, actually, if my husband surprised me with a a, a cruise, like a cruise maybe to the Mediterranean," uh, and then I responded on face- Facebook because she had tagged her husband on the post, <laughs> and I was like, "Sorry, I don't know <laughs> if that's like a little hint or a suggestion. Now, uh, maybe it's free tickets to the World Series or." or or maybe it's dinner um, at the chef's table, right, at a Michelin three-star restaurant, right? I mean, which one of these things would, you know, at a moment's notice, you would just drop everything and do that? Well, these are the moments in our life, right, in a situation like that where we would kick back and we'd be like, man, life is good. And even in the everyday too, right, we experience moments like this, right? Maybe it's that moment if you have children or uh, I've been in a house with kids where all of a sudden it's silent, right? And you're like, oh, is this the calm before the storm? And you're like, it's, it's, it's l- probably a little bit too silent. And then you're like, oh, I hear a noise. And it's not whining. It's not fighting. It's actually laughter, right? Not laughing at one of the siblings, but they're laughing together. And you're like, wow, that actually happens? Uh, or or maybe, maybe it's that moment in your inbox uh, when it finally gets to zero, now, I don't know what that feels like. It's been a long time since that, that's happened. So if any of you have any tips, please share how you get your inbox to zero. Uh, or or maybe, it's, maybe it's that time, you know, you just, you're, you're done everything and you have that big, but it's not a sigh of anxiety, but it's a sigh of relief, right? There's so many things that there is to love about our world, right? Maybe it's the, the color, I mean, even as I was driving here from our Mount Juliet campus this morning, right, it was just, it was so gorgeous, right, the, the leaves and, and the leaves falling off, right, so you still have colors on the tree, but you're driving and it's just falling off, and I'm like, man, that's so gorgeous, or maybe it's a, a camping trip in the, in the Smoky Mountains or, or a, d- a day like today, right, where in the evening it's a cool, crisp fall night. It's, it's still weird to think that November is fall, being Canadian. Uh, like some of my friends back home, I mean, they're, it's snowing already. So I'm like, man, this is, this is awesome. My sister's uh, texted me, and they're in Vancouver, so it's not like it snows a lot there. But they're in Vancouver, and they're like, oh, it's zero degrees here, zero Celsius, which was like 30 Fahrenheit, right? And I'm like, oh, guess what? It's 70 degrees here, (laughs) sucker. (laughs) Okay, I did not say sucker, but that's how I felt. I was like, man, I love living here in Middle Tennessee. Uh, (laughs) So maybe it's that, right? And you have like a, a cool fall night, right? Getting the fire pit out and you're like, man, laughter, friends, family, food, right? It's just, it's fun, right? I mean, like, man, I just love this. And when you look at first, uh, when you look at, not first John, when you look at John 3.16, right, we, say, we see, right, it says, for God so loved the world, right? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, right? So God, this creation that he made for us, this, this creation that's so beautiful, right, when the, when the leaves are falling, what we need to recognize is that that is actually a glimpse of his beauty, because right? everything that is good, everything that is beautiful is because of God. One of my kids' Bibles, uh, when I read it to them and we're reading through the creation account, uh, they, they put it like this, right? It's like, when, what did God say after he created the he- you know, God created the heavens and the earth? And, and he said, good, right? And, and I know it's like it, the, the Bible doesn't speak out loud, but the way it looks in the kids' Bible, it just looks like I'm supposed to say You know, God created the day and the night, and then he said, good, right? He didn't say, because it doesn't say it was good, right? It just says good, right? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, you know, you look at all the stuff that we just talked about, right? And you're like, man, it, it is good, right? And then we have moments, though, in our life where on the one hand, we're, we, you know, after a, a happy moment sort of thing happens, we're like, "Man, oh Lord, just take me now!" Right? You're like, "It's like this is the best my life can be finished. Like this is the best experience ever." Maybe it's after like this intense hiking trip. You're finally at the peak of the mountain. Like whatever that is, right? Or or maybe you're on a on a vacation and it's just you're just sitting at the beach and you're like, "Man, Lord, just take me now." But then with the exact same words, there are times in our life where everything is falling apart, right? And we say, Lord, just take me now, right? We have situations in our life where because of the things in our world, they stir up love and affection. And then there are other situations that happen in our world, like I talked about two weeks ago, you know, with the mass shootings, or you just look at what happened in New York, or the hurricanes, the systemic evil, right? I mean, you could, after a really good night's rest, right, like this morning, I don't remember the last time, you know, in fall four, you know, when you would put your clock, or fall back, I always get it mixed up, uh, when, when you put your clocks back. An hour. I don't. I usually just spend an extra hour, like watching TV, or you know, watch, I was like, oh, great, I can actually watch a movie tonight, or you know, that's usually what I do. But because my wife and I and our kids are getting over our sickness, uh, we actually went to bed an hour early. Like I just, it was amazing, right? I woke up at five a.m. And I'm like, well, I could still sleep, but I feel really refreshed, right? And I was like, go back to bed, or, you know, wake up, six, no, no, i I want to go back to bed again, you know, go, I was like, this is amazing, right? And I'm actually feeling good now. So you could have a good night's nice rest like that, right? And you, and you wake up, you feel so refreshed, and then you turn your, you know, you don't even need to set an alarm because you got up before it. And then you check your notifications and you're like, what in the world just happened at night? Right? And it feels like everything's going wrong in the world, right? So we have these, right? We have these moments of tension, right? And and that's what we want to talk about today. So if you have your Bibles, uh, flip to one John chapter two, because what we want to talk about here is this tension between John three sixteen, right? Where we say where we see for God so loved the world, but then we see in one John two fifteen, do not love the world. Right? We have these instances where it's like, okay, so God, lo- I mean, just everything that I just talked about when we look at the beauty of this world and the beauty of God's creation, right? I mean, what is not to love about all of that? And then we read in 1 John 2, 15, hey, do not love the world, all right? How are we to address this tension here? So in First John 2, we're going to take a look at this starting from verse 15. Verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. So why in this verse is John telling us to not love the world? Right? Is he saying, don't love those fall evenings where you can sit by the fire pit? Like, is he saying that? Is he saying, you know, don't love the white sandy beaches of the Gulf Shore? Right? Is that what he's referring to here? And why is it that he says, if we love the world, that the f- love of the Father is not in us? Right? How does that make sense? Yes, I understand that sin has entered the world. I understand that the world is incredibly broken, but there is beauty in our world, isn't there? There's hope in our world. There's light and life in our world. So why is John here taking such a hard stance? Well, in order to uncover the tension that we see between John 3.16, right, or the creation accounts or, and, and all that we had just talked about, in order to understand the tension between that and what we read here in First John 2.15, we need to understand what John means when he says world, right? Do not love the world. What is he talking about? Well, when you look at the context here, he's not talking about the beauty of the Swiss Alps, right? The Rocky Mountains, everything that is beautiful about our world. He's not talking about that. And he's not talking about what, it, what, what he's talking about, what Jesus talks about in John 3.16, Because in John 3.16, Jesus, when he says, you know, for God so loved the world, he's talking about the people for whom Christ, you know, that he was going to die for. Right? He was talking about the people. So in 1 John 2.15, when it says, do not love the world, John, he's not talking about John 3.16, and he's not talking about the beauty of God's creation. He's actually talking about the poisonous worldview that Satan originates perpetuates, and continues to glorify, right? He's talking about a worldview here. He's not talking about, hey, don't love everything that's beautiful about the world. He's talking about a particular worldview that the enemy has tried to perpetuate from creation, and we'll see it from Adam and Eve, you know, all throughout, and that he still, even to this day, tries to perpetuate in our hearts. And this is the worldview we read about in verse 16, Right? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions. So in First John 2.15, John is basically saying, don't love, be infatuated with, and be lured away by this false reality that Satan has built up. And this false reality that Satan has built up, this worldview that he is talking about, that we're talking about here. Like, let me, let me give you some phrases That we might hear on our favorite TV shows, right? Phrases that we might hear in the workplace, phrases that we might read in an article, right? I'll I'll try to pinpoint out this worldview that you likely heard even yesterday, if not this morning. Where there's no grace, there's no grace. It's all about law. I mean, that happened because of karma, right? Everything's run on karma, When's the last time you heard that? Right? That's the worldview that we're talking about here. It's this worldview that says you got to take, 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 take because no one's going to get it for you. Or it's this worldview that tells you, you know, insidiously to, to you need to scratch that person's back so that you can call on a favor later. Right? It's this worldview that says, hey, make sure that you are keeping a tally sheet so that you can call on favors later. Or maybe it's this worldview that believes, hey, God is this cosmic deity that, is, that has this scorecard that every time you do something good, he's going he's gonna to give you something good. And every time you do something bad, you know, he's going to cause something, he's going to cause you to trip up. Right? If this is the way that you operate, and, and, and I'm sure none of us would outright say this, like if if Scott were to have coffee with you or or, or if one of the leaders here or or if I were to have coffee with you, I mean, you would not say that this is why you're here today. But I am sure that there might have been a whisper or a hint or a thought that came in your mind yesterday night or this morning that said, man, I really don't want to come. But if I don't, something bad's going to happen this week. How many of you have ever thought that? Right? Or you're like, man, if you know, but my week was horrible. The way that I lived, it was all for myself. And, and these habitual sins that are in my, I mean, I just, I just fell into them so much. So I, I better come on Sunday or God's going to be angry. You know, sometimes we see Sunday as like this cosmic penance where it's like, yeah, just do whatever you want to do during the week. And as long as you come here on Sunday, then the Lord's going to forgive you. I know none of you would actually say outright that that is why you're here today, but is that possibly a, one of the motivators that got you here? If that's the case, right, if that's the case, and that actually means that this worldview that John is talking about in these verses has seeped into your heart. And what John is saying here that, is that if this worldview has seeped into your heart, the problem the problem is that if anyone, right? We see here in verse 15, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. He's saying you can't simultaneously hold this false worldview and love God at the same time. You can't love this worldview, believe in it and perpetuate it and then also love the Father because our hearts don't work like that. Now, you might say, but Daniel, I can multitask. I can hold two things in tension. Yeah, I mean, I can love both, you know, the Jays and the Yankees. I can love the Dodgers and the Angels. I can love Vandy and, you, or, or here's the, I can love, you know, Al- Alabama, you know, the, the Roll Tide. Um, I'm so bad with names. Uh, and and you, I know, I should know this by now, right? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it is, do you call them the Alabama Roll Tide? No, you say Roll Tide, right? What, what are they called? Crimson Tide. Oh, I always do this. All Alabama fans are so upset right now. Uh, but I know it's the UT volunteers, right? So it's like, so it's like can you love the Crimson Tide and the, the volunteers? Like You can't, right? I mean, <laughs> like you can. You can, but if you are one of the fans of either, you can't, right? And that, that's what John is talking about here. I mean, just imagine this, right? Just imagine if a husband told his wife, dear, I love you, I'm committed to you, but I'm going to spend my evenings with this other woman. But really, really, I mean, look at the ring. You're the one I love but I'm going to spend my evenings with this other woman. Just, 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 I mean, just think about that. That is what John is talking about. That is the tension that he's talking about. He's saying, if you hold this worldview, you can't love God. There's no in-between here. John is saying if anyone loves the world and is, and, and is infatuated with and loves you know, the, this worldview that the evil one continues to perpetuate, then the love of the Father is not that the love of the Father is, is, is kind of in him. It's, it's that the love of the Father is not in him. So how does someone get to this place? How does someone get to this place where the love of the world surpasses our love for God. And if you're here today, I mean, if you're here today, I know that none of you would say, oh, but I don't love God. I love this world. This worldview that you've been talking about, Daniel, I totally love that. Like, you would not be here today if, if that's where you were. So the majority of us are somewhere in the middle. The majority of us are, you know, there are some of us who are like, no, I really do hate this worldview that the enemy continues to throw at us. And then there are others of you here that are like, well, actually, I don't really know. How do you get to that place? How do we get to this place where it's not an outright opposition to this worldview of the world? How do we get to that place? Well, it actually happens subtly. It happens over time our affection and love for the things of this world grow over time and through temptation, right? We read in verse 16, but what we need to realize is everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possession is not from the Father, but is from the world. I like how J.D. Greer, a pastor in Raleigh-Durham, puts it. The word lust... Carries the connotation of a desire that has taken on too much weight in your life. It's taken too much, it's taken on too much weight in your life. Lusts are cravings that control you. Right? Lusts are cravings that control you. So let me ask you a question here. What controls you? What cravings control you? Is it to add more money to your wallet to satisfy? your fleshly desires, your hormones? Is it to gain more achievements? Is it to get in with the who's who? Is it to, you know, take that Instagram photo just right so that you get the likes that you want to get? Is it to accumulate more possessions? Because if we're not careful, not only will these things control us, but they'll actually lead us down a path away from God. Because you know what's similar about all these cravings that I just shared? They all point back to you. And that's what happens when Satan tempts us. He points us away from the direction we ultimately need to be headed toward. All right? So Hebrews 12 Hebrews twelve says, you know, we got to run the race of faith, right? We got to run, the, and I'm sure you've heard illustrations of, hey, this journey of our faith, you know, our our, our journey in Christ, our relationship with God is is not a sp- it's not a hundred meter sprint, it's a marathon, right? How, how many of you here have run a race before? Maybe a five k or a marathon? I mean, yeah, any and Carlos, is Carlos here today? I mean, he's like the best runner, Carlos and Dan. I mean, they're just like. I don't know how many. I don't know how you guys run the way that you do, uh, but I mean, you know. Okay, so maybe not all of us have run races, but we've all maybe driven, uh, driven in a car before, right? Where where it's like you're you're going down, maybe, and maybe if you haven't driven, you've been in a car that's gone a long way forward. Right? So think about that, right? Think about if you're, if you're on a morning hike and, or you're running a race and there's just this long stretch ahead of you or, or you're in the country, right? Driving on a country road. It's a dirt road and it's just like just straight all ahead of you and it's a gorgeous day. What do we do when, we, when, when that's our situation here? Where we look around, right? Because a straight road is boring. It's boring. I mean, if it's windy, your eyes are on the road. But when it's straight and it's gorgeous, we just look all around. And you know what would be funny? If you actually had a drone flying above you, videoing your path as you go, what would it be? Like, would you actually go in a straight line? No. Right? You'd be like this. Right? Even, even today, like, if you're, as you're driving on Lebanon... And I know Lebanon has a lot of, uh, there's a a large stretch of going straight. Even if you were to drive like this and look over here, just, I mean, don't do it. (laughs) But if you were to do it, your car would eventually veer that way. That's, I mean, that's what temptation does to us. Temptation leads us to shift our focus. And it's an ever-subtle... You're like, hey, I'm still going where I need to go, right? I mean, you're, you're, it's, it's a straight road. You can't get lost. You're just still going the way that you go. But what temptation does, what the enemy does, is he causes our shift of focus so that we trip, we lose speed, we lose momentum, we fall into a ditch. And ultimately, as Satan so wants to happen will take a turn where the road is actually like this, right? And you don't see that there's a division coming up, but you're just, you think you're still going straight, and all of a sudden you're not going where you need to go, right? That's what Satan does when he tempts us. And that's why it says in Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2, let us lay aside every hindrance, and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. So when we read here in 1 John 2.16, right, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions, what comes to mind? What is it that the enemy uses to veer your path off to the right It's important, though, that we note in verse 16 that it says the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions, because these are actually the three ways that Satan tempted Adam and Eve in the garden, and then also the way that he tempted the second Adam, Jesus Christ, in the desert. Let's take a look at these passages, right? Verse 3, not verse 3, Genesis chapter 3, we see, right, Satan is tempting Eve, Satan draws her focus to, for, to the forbidden tree in the garden. And when he draws her focus off of God and onto this tree, we read this in Genesis 3.6. The woman saw that the tree was good, uh, f- good for food and delightful to look at, and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. Let's just hold it right there. Okay, let's keep that up. Seeing that the tree was good for food seeing that the tree was good for food, that is the lust of the flesh. Seeing that it was delightful to look at, that is the lust of the eyes, and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom, that's the pride of life. You see these three temptations that we've been reading about? Okay, let's look now at Luke chapter 4 when Jesus was baptized And before he began his public ministry, he was in the desert for 40 days, right? He was in the desert for 40 days, and and when he was in the desert for 40 days, he was tempted by Satan. And Satan actually tempted him in the same three ways that he tempted Adam and Eve in the garden. Let's look at verse 3, chapter 4, verse 3, right? Luke 4, 3. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread, right? Tell this stone to become bread. That is the lust of the flesh. Let's look at verse five here. So he took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. The devil said to him, I will give you their splendor and all this authority because it has been given over to me and I can give it to anyone I want. If you then will worship me, all will be yours. Right? That is the lust of the eyes. And then in verse 9 and 10, we see Satan tempting Jesus uh, in, in the third way. Right? So he took him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to them, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will give his angels orders, concern, right? so I mean, orders concerning you to protect you. I think there's a little bit more. Or is that it? right? So, I mean, we look at this verse here, right? We look at it, it's like Satan is bringing him onto the mountain, and he's saying, hey, look, do this, do this, and look, every, everyone's going to look at you, everyone's going to bow down to you, everyone's going to turn to you, right? It's the pride of life that Satan is trying to tempt him with. So, if Adam and Eve were tempted in the same way as Jesus, right, and, and Jesus is often called the second Adam, how is it that Jesus didn't fall into those same temptations. What did Jesus do differently than Adam and Eve? Well, you look at Luke 4, uh, verse 4, and you see how Jesus responded to the temptation to the lust of the flesh, right? He said, man must not live on bread alone, right? And then you look at verse 8, how did Jesus respond to the temptation of the lust of the eyes? He goes to Scripture and he says, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And in the third way, how did Jesus respond when he was tempted with pride? Once again, he opened up the scriptures. He had actually hidden God's word, as we read in Psalm 119, for, you know, how can a young man keep his way pure, right? Verse 9, by, by living according to your word. And in Psalm one nineteen eleven, it says, I've treasured your word. I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might not, that I might not sin against you. Right? So Jesus had hidden God's word in his heart. And in these three temptations, he responded with the scriptures. Right? Satan tempted Adam and Eve in the same way he tempted Jesus, in the same way that he is tempting you and I. How does Satan tempt you? Does he tempt you with the lust of the flesh? Does he tempt you with the lust of the eyes? Does he tempt you with, the pri- with pride? Right? Satan's been using the same tactics for millennia. <laughs> so why do we often act like Adam and Eve and not like Jesus? Why do we often say, oh, I, I you know, I mean, you know, we let the temptation just overcome. We're, you know, we're like, I don't, I don't know what to say. I don't, I, oh, right. Why is that often the case in our lives when Jesus has set a clear example and He's responded with the Scriptures. I mean, look at, take a look at Ephesians 6, right? <coughs> Ephesians 6, we read the armor of God. And you look at the armor of God that He says, hey, we are actively in a spiritual battle. And, and if you, let's say, tomorrow we're deployed to Iraq... or you were tomorrow deployed to a war zone, it would be foolish for any soldier to go out with any armor, right? To go out with just no, nothing, being not equipped in any form or fact, right? It would be foolish, right? But it says in Ephesians 6, hey, we live in a spiritual battle. So put on the armor of God. Put on the belt of truth, right? That's defensive. Put on the breastplate of righteousness, that's defensive. Put on the feet fitted with the gospel of peace, that's defensive. Put on the shield of faith, that's defensive. Put on the helmet of salvation, that's defensive. And then he says, "Now and then put on the sword of the Spirit. Now that sword wasn't a long sword, it was actually a short dagger intended for close hand-to-hand combat. And that shield, right? It says, well, put on the shield of faith so that you may extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Because the enemy is shooting arrows from a distance to try to tempt us. But what happens when you have war happening, right? You have the archers trying to kill everyone from afar, but then the infantry begins to move in, right? You have the air war coming first and then you have the ground war following after. Right? And that's what the enemy does here. And what the reason why Jesus you know the reason why we read in the scriptures, hey, you so you you yes you need all of the defensive pieces, but you also need the sword of the spirit, which is, we read, the word of God, because the combat, the temptation is gonna be personal. It's gonna come close. And when temptation is strong When temptation feels overwhelming, right, and that's when the battle has come close, the only way to fight the evil one in those situations is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That is why Jesus responded with the scriptures. I mean honestly, if you look at the research at several large discipleship re- you know in terms of these research projects that look at hey how do individuals mature in Christ? You know the one thing that that made the biggest difference in everyone's life in, in regards to maturity, it was daily Bible reading. Daily Bible reading made the largest difference made the most significant impact in an individual's growth and maturity in Christ. Yeah, studying the Word of God did result in maturity. So did being in a life group. So did worshiping together here. So did, you know, being in a, you know, being in community and serve. I mean, all those things mattered. But the thing that made the largest difference was reading your Bible daily. Now, what would it look like for you to hide God's word in your heart? What would it look like for you to want a daily moment? Because just like Satan tempted Adam and Eve, Jesus, and he, I mean, he is tempting us with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So how do we respond like Jesus? Well, it's through soaking and saturating ourselves with the word of God. I mean, how often are we tempted in these same ways, right? You go to the grocery store, and I hate, I absolutely hate how Aldi is selling, I mean, I love shopping at Aldi, but I, I, hate, I hate how Aldi has like those Girl Scout cookies now, like their own version of the peppermint, the peppermint ones, and like the coconut, the, the coconut chocolate ones. I mean, it's just like, now I can buy them any single time I want, <laughs> right? I'm not at will to a Girl Scout coming to my door. I hate that. So, like, and and this is why my wife, and and you know what, I'll go grocery shopping if Christina asks me to go grocery shopping, but I don't like going grocery shopping because I, you know, I'll get what's on the grocery list, but I'll always buy a bag of chips and chocolate. And I mean, that's just like my temptation. I just love chips. Like, it's just, oh, I could like, I could like not eat. I know it's bad, but I could just, just eat chips because it's so good. Uh, Right. And that's why I don't go shopping by myself a lot because of the temptation there, right? So yeah, it's funny, but we have these temptations, right? We have these temptations in our life, and, and maybe it's that, or maybe it's, you know, you're, you're going at Kroger, right? And, and you're, you're at the, you know, you're at the till, and you see the magazines, and, and you look, and you're like, man, I wish I looked like that. We're like, man, I, I wish I, I'm glad I don't look like that, right? Because they always have those two different types, right? I mean, it's just like, you know, and, and you're like, well, I, and you, and you're like, you look at those magazines, and you're like, man, I really want to know what's going on. I really want to know what the latest gossip is. Or if something happens at work and you're like, oh, what was that? Oh, let me tell. Let me say what that is. Or, or, you, you know what I'm talking Like, we have these temptations that, I mean, the enemy tempts us in the same way that he's tempted us, whether you're 40 or 14. Right? Don't you see a pattern of how the enemy tempts you and how you get tripped up? So even if we, just like we see these patterns in our lives, we see the millennia pattern of how Satan tempts with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So why do we, like ignorant lemmings, allow ourselves to fall to the same temptations over and over and over again? Why? Well... I mean, it's not about just trying hard enough because that doesn't work. (laughs) Right? It doesn't work. Next time a temptation like that happens, try responding with the Word of God. Try responding with the sword of the Spirit because the Word of God is powerful enough to cut through anything and everything. When you are powerless, the Lord is powerful. And when you feel like everything is falling apart and there's no way out of this, you respond with the word of God. And, and if you have not meditated on and memorized the scriptures in your heart, then have a Bible handy or, or you know, open up your phone and, and open up the Bible app, right? And, and read, soak yourself and read, in the wor- read the word of God. And you know what happens? This is what will happen. The temptations and the power and the overwhelming nature that the evil one tries to send towards you will dissipate. It will fall away because God is faithful. And when we can't, he can. You know why Satan tempts us these three ways? You know why he does it? Well, number one, it works. But number two, we read in verse 17 what happens. And the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. The world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. Satan tempts us in these three ways because he wants us to pass away along with this world. He wants to snatch us away from the grip of God. He wants to direct us away from him rather than being with our Lord forever. Friends, let us not pass away with the things of this world. Let us instead step into our forever lives as citizens of an eternal kingdom, as as sons and daughters of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. May we, honestly, here, I'm even going to pray this over us today as a congregation, okay? I'll pray. If you buy like 9 a.m. Or, or maybe 10 or even like 11 a.m., if you do not spend time, man, that's a loud airplane. <laughs> that's like really low. Uh, you know, but if you buy like, I'm going to pray, like if you buy like 9, 10, or 11 a.m. are not, or have not spent time in the word of God, I'm, I'm going to pray this over you. That the Holy Spirit would be incessantly nudging your heart. That things would happen so that you would be stopped in your tracks and be reminded. That the Lord in His graciousness would remind you. If you wake up and you're like 30 minutes late and you don't have enough time to read the Word with a cup of coffee or over breakfast. And that's sometimes what I'll do. Right, I'll, I'll be like, hey, you know, the word of God is, I mean, it's nourishment to, our soul, to my soul. But, you know, as I'm eating cereal, I'll read the word, you know, it's like nourish my soul and nourish my body. And, you know, I just try to bring it together there. And let's say, because I, I have days where I sleep in and, you know, I'm like, oh, I, you know, I can't, I can't do that. I grab a granola bar. So while I'm driving, I'll turn on the, I'll turn on the Bible and, and I'll listen to it while I'm driving. And, you know, there are also some days where you can't do that or you're not driving and it's just hectic at home. You know, just go to the bathroom. <laughs> now, I, I'm serious, right? I know, it's, I know it's weird, right, for us to talk about that. But just go to the bathroom, even at work or in between meetings, and just open up the Word and read for five minutes. Because when we soak ourselves in the Word of God, the Holy Spirit will change us. We see that in the research, I see that in my life, I see it, you know, Scott sees it in his life, we see it over and over and over again, the power that the Word of God has in shaping us. If we want to grow, we need to sow the seeds, if we want to grow, we need to water them, but ultimately the Lord is the one that matures us. So I'm going to pray this over us right now, and, and, and it's a great day, it's a great Sunday, I hope you have a great rest of the afternoon but let's pray uh let's pray that the lord would remind us right so that and that we would even text i mean look i mean look at the person next to you right or or, or ask someone hey remind me text me at 11 a.m every day if i've not, and ask have you read the word of god have you met with god today i mean these simple things will make the largest amount of differences but let's let's pray this and let's continue to worship